story of a king and his assistant. And the king asked his assistant to go on a very important journey to acquire something very important for him that was integral to the kingdom's growth and survival. The assistant was super motivated and passionate about this. He wasn't sent out against his will. He was motivated by it. And he set out on the journey. Now on this journey, he had the opportunity to have new experiences and meet new people. And at first, it was amazing. And he was completely enthralled by these new experiences. But then after a while, he started to see that a lot of these experiences weren't providing him joy. And he started to lose motivation and interest. After one year, he came back eagerly wanting to share everything with the king and also feeling dejected about those experiences he'd had. The king listened patiently and then asked where that document was. The assistant was shocked because he realized he had completely forgotten the purpose of his journey. At first, he had been enamored by the opportunities and experiences and later, he became lethargic and complacent. He was out of alignment. He went out of alignment through his distractions from the purpose of his journey, which meant that even though he had some good experiences, he lost the meaning of it. It's kind of like if someone was driving fast past you and you said to them, hey, where, where are you driving to? And they said, I don't know. I don't know where I'm driving. I'm just driving fast. You'd think that person was crazy because they'd be going nowhere fast. And so many times in our life, we don't examine, we don't look at that meaning. So we can be so busy and distracted in our lives that we don't make time for purpose. So at one end, we're thinking, oh my God, I need to find my purpose, everything right now. And at the other end, we actually forget that purpose even exists and we don't give it the time of day. Now, I know that this podcast so far, I'm being slightly heady and philosophical and ideas, but I just want you to get into the space of just thinking about purpose a bit more and a bit more broadly too. Now, life is similar, right? No matter how many experiences we might have, holidays, trips, if we don't align with our purpose, our journey doesn't feel meaningful because we have to keep coming back to the life we live. Now, this is not to say we shouldn't have amazing experiences because these all lead us to uncover things about our purpose, but we have to recognize that simply filling our time doesn't solve the challenge. A good example is an airport terminal and duty-free. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember growing up, I would love going to the airport, especially to shop in duty-free. Not that I would buy a lot, but it was just the excitement of it. Now, you can buy as many things as you like, spend as much time in the restaurants and the shops, but if you don't get on the plane, then you won't get to your destination. Purpose is like getting on the plane. It gives that journey meaning, direction, and fuel when we need it. Without purpose, we lack direction. Without purpose, we lose our compass of what to do next. Without a purpose, that's when we get into those moments of feeling stuck, confused, not knowing what direction to go in, not knowing what move to make next. When we don't have purpose, rejection feels like the end. When we have purpose, rejection just feels like redirection. When we don't have purpose, rejection feels like the end. When we have purpose, rejection feels like redirection or a correction that we can make to move forward. That's the difference when we have purpose. 
Now in the Bhagavad Gita, a book that I absolutely love, that I studied as a monk and I also teach so much from, it said that it's better to do one's own dharma, even if imperfectly, than to do another's dharma perfectly. And dharma is spoken about as our true eternal nature, our true natural inclination, the element in which we thrive or our purpose, but it's so much bigger than the word purpose. And that's why I love these Sanskrit words because these Sanskrit words have so much depth and meaning that it's even hard to explain it in English in just a couple of words. So Dharma is our true nature, our internal superpower, a superpower that is needed in the world. When we do what we love, that's a passion. When our passion serves others, that's a purpose. That's Dharma. It's when you're using your passion, your natural strengths, your natural inclination, your thrive mode to serve others. Now, this is broken down in several different philosophical traditions as well. The founder of Stoicism, Zeno, said that nature is the way things work and wisdom is acting in accordance with natural laws. And that's why I talk about making wisdom go viral because when we practice wisdom, we get happiness. When we practice wisdom, we are positive. So you don't become happy or positive by focusing on happiness or positivity. You get them by practicing wisdom, which is acting in accordance with natural laws. Another Stoic, Seneca, put it this way, let us keep to the way which our nature has mapped out for us and let us not swerve therefrom. If we follow nature, all is easy and unobstructed. But if we combat nature, our life differs not a whit from that of others who row against the current. How many times has life felt like you are rowing against the current? How many times have you had that experience in life where you literally feel like you are just pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing is moving? And when have you maybe had a glimpse in your life when you definitely worked, but things were just opening and happening. I've personally had this experience in my life where I've worked so hard for certain things only for them not to happen and then other things to work hard but doors naturally open. They flow open, right? This flow. And in another instance, Seneca defines living according to nature as one of the deepest roots of Stoicism. So Vedic teachings are 5,000 plus years old. Stoic teachings are 2,000 plus years old. So I want to help you apply that to today. And this is the beautiful thought from Martin Luther King, and it's why I dive so much into ancient teachings. He said, if you want a new idea, read an old book. And so I spend a lot of time reading old books. So I hope this is helping you right now. So how do we get aligned with our nature? Now listen to this carefully. It's a really, really important and powerful point. Passion and nature can't be found in your head because they live in your heart. Listen to that again. Passion and nature can't be found in your head because they live in your heart. You cannot find it just by thinking about it, right? We say things like that. When we think about it just in our heads, this is the conversation, how it usually goes. Oh, it'd be so cool to have my own business. I have a really cool idea but I'm so old to get started. Like it's too late now. 
most people started really early or they went to business school or, you know, they were probably friends with a millionaire or an investor or their parents probably gave them some handout. Let me be more realistic. Or maybe we say something like this, and I'm sure you can hear that voice in your head sometimes. I've heard bits of that. Maybe not word for word, but parts of it. Or we hear this. Oh, it's so irresponsible of me to even be considering this. I've got a family. I've got to think about security. I've got to think about stability. It's just not a smart idea. There's no money in that. And who knows if it will even work? See, our head says that, but we still feel dissatisfied inside. We still feel like unaligned. That's because our heart and head are unaligned. This is what I mean about not finding, but being unaligned. Our head talks us out of aligning with our heart. Not following your heart, that's not enough. Aligning with our heart. And we miss out on that. So what I'm going to give you now is three really simple ideas that will help you set this right that will help you build alignment with yourself. That's what the focus is here. I'm not just giving you some cliche answers about following your passion and finding your passion. I'm talking to you about deep alignment with yourself. This intimacy with yourself will actually help you uncover everything else. Now, the first step in this process is deeply getting to know yourself. We have to date ourselves like we would date someone else. We have to ask questions of ourselves like we would ask of someone else. We always think about how do I get to know this person? How do I understand more about them? Well, guess what? Have we ever spent time getting to know ourselves? In the last podcast, I talked about meetings, right? Meetings with yourself, meetings, M-E, eatings, meetings with yourself. How many of us get time to know ourselves? Now, I'm going to give you a really practical Because when you ask yourself questions like, who am I? How do I understand myself? Well, guess what? We come up with things that are fairly subjective, not objective at all. And we start judging ourselves by our intentions, not our actions. One of our biggest reasons why we struggle to get to know ourselves is we judge ourselves by our intentions, not our actions. We judge ourselves by our deep motives, but not what we actually end up doing. And this is misleading and why it's subjective and not objective. So this is how you get to know yourself for real. Look at your credit card statements. Look at your books that you've actually read, not the ones on the shelves that make you look smart, the books you've actually read. Like take them off the shelf, put them next to you and ask yourself, which of these books have I actually read? Think about that. And then what are your favorite movies and TV shows you watch? I want you to try and spot the patterns of what do you gravitate towards? Not as an activity, but a theme. I'll give you an example. I'm fascinated by how so many of us don't know the patterns in what we enjoy and like. We say things like, oh, I like everything. I like a bit of everything. When you say you like a bit of everything, it's a lack of self-awareness because when you're self-aware, you can see priorities. You can see orders. You can see structures. So I'll give you an example. I like a lot of different movies. I do like comedy movies. I do like action movies. You know which movies I love the most? The movies I love the most are Christopher Nolan movies. Now, if you know Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan made The Prestige, Memento, Inception, Interstellar, The Dark Knight trilogy, the list goes on. Some of my favorite movies of all time. Now notice all of these movies have similar patterns. Fabulous storytelling, incredible twists in the plot, 
deep characters who are really trying to understand themselves, grow and learn, right? If you look at Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception, you look at his character, you look at Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar, you look at Christian Bale in The Prestige, all of these characters identify with the character's journey of transformation, growth, progress, sacrifice, learning. I can see that that's what I value just by looking at that. When you look at your credit card statements and you look at, well, what am I spending money on? And maybe you're going to look at that audit and you're going to say, oh, actually, I'm not spending money on anything I'm passionate about. Well, let me change that. And that's going to be a great lesson for you. And when you're looking at the patterns in your life, don't focus on how it sounds in your head. Focus on how it feels in your body. When you're trying to see if you really have passion for something, don't measure your passion by how something sounds in your head. Measure your passion by how it feels in your body. This is such a huge takeaway. Don't measure your passion or your purpose by how something sounds in your head. Measure your passion and purpose by how it feels in your body. What I mean by that is when you try and analyze something based on how it sounds in your head, that's when the voices of everything else comes up. You start thinking about what will other people think? You start thinking, what will other people say? You start thinking, how will my friends and family react? That's the conversation in your head. Whereas when you use your body as a metric, ask yourself, did you naturally smile when you thought of doing something for the rest of your life? Did you naturally light up or feel alive? Or did you just feel this rush of energy? I feel this all the time. If I'm asked to record a video or record a podcast or be learning and reading and studying, I get so much energy from that. If someone asks me to walk into a meeting where we're having a big discussion about numbers and all that kind of stuff, I'll be like, oh, I, I, it's not my thing, right? I can feel the energy in my body. You can see your body language change. It's so important that we use that as a sign for the patterns. And don't just look at patterns of activities you enjoy. Look at patterns of characteristics, traits, qualities, attributes. These are the signs we have to look out for. The second thing I want you to think about is, and even if you're not a coach, you're not a teacher, you're not a speaker, I still believe this is the right question. What do you love to learn and what do you love to teach? And you'll realize we're all teachers, right? We all give people lectures, even if we're not teachers, even if we're not coaches, even if we're not therapists, we all give people advice. And I want you to think about this. You want to focus on your natural strengths and talents and nurture them deeper. Now, listen to this carefully because the principles I shared earlier from the Vedas of Dharma and Stoicism where I shared from Seneca applies to this principle. Imagine I was going to invest a hundred hours into your self-development. I was going to pay for you to have a hundred hours of self-development. How would you divide that hundred hours between what you're good at, what you're average at, and what you're terrible at? How would you divide that hundred hours? So imagine it as a hundred percent. How would you divide it across these three areas of things you're good at, things you're average at, and things you're terrible at? So would it be 33.3% for all three? Would it be 80-10-10? Would it be 40-40-20? Would it be 10-20-70? Which one would it be for you? Take a few moments just to think about that in your head. How would you invest 100 hours in your self-development into what you're good at, what you're average at, and what you're terrible at? Tell me the answer to that question right now. Think about it out loud. So when they studied the most healthy, wealthy, and wise people in the world, they found that their breakdown was either 100, 0, 0, 
or 80-10-10. The most successful, happy, wealthy, and wise people in the world went all in on their natural skills that they were already good at and excelled at them. Why? Because if you focus on what you're terrible at, you may get average at it. If you focus on what you're average at, you may get good at it. But if you focus on what you're good at it, you can become world-class in that field. And world-class is what gets recognized. World-class is what gets awarded. World-class is what feels meaningful. Now, I went a step further here, is that when it comes to your hard skills, focus on your natural strengths. When it comes to your qualities, your soft skills, focus on your natural weaknesses. So when it comes to things like speaking, math, learning, education, writing, scripting, Excel spreadsheets, analytics, coding, when it comes to those hard skills, focus on your strengths. When it comes to your weaknesses, things like empathy, conflict resolution, when it comes to things like mediation, when it comes to things like support and service, focus on your weaknesses. You build those up with your strengths and you'll find meaning and happiness in your journey. And the thing about this question is you can be as niche as you like. There are over 7 billion people on the planet. There's a market to teach everything, literally everything from and, and I'm being serious about this. David Beckham studies exist. Yes, it really exists at Staffordshire University in England, of course. This around established around 2008, Professor Ellis Cashmore said, we will be examining the rise of football from its folk origins in the 17th century to the central place it occupies in British culture. And David Beckham is a central piece of that. So they actually study David Beckham right? All the way through to bowling industry management studies. It's also a real thing. The point is, you may have the weirdest, curious, inquisitive passion, but I guarantee you there is an audience for it. You may want to teach Star Wars. You may want to teach, of course, baking or makeup or whatever it may be. There's a place for it. When you use what you are excited to teach, you recognize there are companies, peoples, groups, tribes that want all sorts of things. And the more meaningful thing here when you do this is you realize that this doesn't include change in career. It's something you can apply in the workplace. Entrepreneurs are powerful roles without the risk of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship where you are an internal entrepreneur inside your organization. The third and final step I wanted to share with you is we hear a lot about going outside of your comfort zone. I want to share with you a really, really powerful principle that I've learned, which I call going outside of your comfort zone with your strengths. So I'll give an example. I've enjoyed speaking since I was around 18 years old. I've been speaking every day for at least three hours a day for the last 13 years speaking lectures, seminars, courses, workshops, mainly offline and of course only online for the last two to three years. But the first 10 of them were totally offline. When I didn't make any money from them, when I was just trying to serve people as, as through that skill, through that passion of mine. And I was just trying to deliver and share everything I was learning. I would learn and share, learn and share, learn and share. I ran this society, I think called Think Out Loud at university, where students would come to hear me every week speak about psychology, science, spirituality, and philosophy. I would use movies as examples. I was doing all of this stuff offline for 10 years because I loved it and because I wanted to share. 
And one thing I learned from that is, I always had people say to me, Jay, you need to go outside of your comfort zone. You speak, but why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Why don't you try this? And it was always trying to push me out of that comfort zone. Now, it's beautiful to do that. I'm not against people pushing out their comfort zone. What I'm saying is, first, you should push yourself out of your comfort zone in your strengths. So for example, if I was speaking to audiences of 10 to 20 people, I can change and move out of my comfort zone either by activity, so now I can say, why not become a writer? Or you can go out of your comfort zone by scale. So if you're used to speaking to 10 to 20 people, you can dial that up by speaking to 100 people. You can then dial that up by speaking to 1,000 people. You can then dial that up by speaking to 10,000 people. You can also dial it up by who you're speaking to. So you may first be speaking to students, and now you're trying to speak to young professionals, and now you're speaking to CEOs, and now you're speaking to celebrities and influencers, and now you're speaking to world leaders, right? The point is that you can dial up and grow within your strength out of your comfort zone. And to me, that's so much more important than just trying to become a master of something else. So when you get deep mastery in your strength in different levels of comfort zone, then you can switch. If you're trying to switch too early, you end up actually not growing as deeply as you can in what you're already naturally good at. So the point is to go out of your comfort zone with your strengths. That's a unique talent, a unique potential can be reached through that process. So ask yourself, how can I challenge myself outside of my comfort zone, right? How can I challenge myself outside of my comfort zone? That's what I really, really want you to look at because that's what's gonna make the biggest difference at this stage in your life. If you're doing something, how can you change the scale or who you do it for as a test? And that scale change may usually be free, right? You may actually speak for free. You may actually bake for a client for free. You may actually do makeup for a client for free. You may do all of those things for free to get your foot in the door. These are my three steps as to how we can truly, truly, truly go with aligning to our purpose rather than trying to just find it. Now, we all know the power of just one small adjustment and how it can make a big difference in our lives. And I really want you to take what you're learning here to the next level. So many of you, hundreds of thousands of you are listening to the podcast and that means so much to me. And I want to go a step further with you. 